0: we thank you for um just the finances that are going into into the church and into the advancement of the kingdom it is so important you are constantly constantly um, reminding us that kingdom business is what it's all about that's so important to gain ground for the kingdom, to make sure that your spirit is being multiplied, to make sure that your people are being multiplied, that joy is being multiplied, that salvation is being multiplied, that freedom is being multiplied, that peace is being multiplied. Remove anything that is not of you this morning. We trust in you more and more with every penny, with every thought, and with every moment, with every breath. Remind us to trust in you for the battle is yours and you got it all taken care of even in our suffering even if we are suffering remind us we're prone to forget that that's just part of it it's part of christianity we love you and we thank you so much lord for what you're doing for just continuing with us this entire way never leaving never forsaking us No matter what is happening, we can turn to you, we can speak to you, we can sing to you, we can cry to you, and you're still there. You're still there. We can even try to push you away, God, and you're still there. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm totally going to do like a mic, mic check. <laughs> mic check, mic check. One, two, one, two. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so we've been in the book of Philippians, right? Yeah. Is everybody enjoying the book of Philippians or have we forgotten the first and second chapter? <laughs> Remember that the book of Philippians, it was, there was no church in Philippi, in the city of Philippi, and Paul was commissioned actually to go somewhere else, but God stopped him dead in his tracks and said, no, wait right here in the city of Philippi. There was no church, but there was what? A group of women praying by the well, praying by the river, And that's what birth, God uh, God spoke to Paul. Paul spoke to these group of women. And then these group of women started sharing. They opened up their home. Paul was able to come back when released from prison. So it has been just amazing that it just started out of nothing. So um, don't forget that God can do anything at any moment with anyone. So remember that. But today, this morning, we are going to cover Philippians chapter three. Are you guys sad it's me that's preaching? I'm I'm gonna need you guys to be a little excited today, okay? We got too much bad news going on. We need joy. We need joy, so don't hesitate. Don't hesitate to scream and to shout amen and glory and hallelujah and all that stuff. So Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to read from 1 to 11. That's what we are going to cover this morning. Please, I tell you guys when I'm up here, um, because I think it's so important that you take notes, that you pull out your phone, you pull out the the notes app, because men and women of God study for hours, hours in a week just to give you a 30-minute, Message that will um, enrich your life. So don't take it lightly when pastors are preaching, when men and women of God are speaking to the youth, to whatever the case may be. Whoever you are, young, old, whatever background you have, it is so important to take take the word of God seriously. So please take notes. Not because I am boasting in myself, but because it's the word of God that can change everything change your life your heart your mind all of that all of that it's the Word of God that's so important so um, chapter 3 verse 1 finally my brethren rejoice in the Lord for me to write the same things to you is not tedious but for you it is safe beware of dogs beware of evildoers beware of the mutilation in my Bible there's an exclamation mark so that's serious For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Verse five, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, he's saying, I'm blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish or garbage so so good and jam-packed with good stuff so first here verse one (laughs) finally my brethren rejoice in the lord for me to write the same things to you is not tedious but for you it is safe for you it is safe pastors are always repeating themselves Principals at schools are always repeating themselves. Employers are always repeating themselves. If you're a parent, raise your hand. You're always repeating yourself. You find yourself repeating over and over and over and over again. Same things apply when it comes to Pastor Paul. He's saying, I I have to write to you the same things. And it's not tedious. Another translation says, it's no trouble for me because I know that it is safe for you. Even when there's a tension and conflict in the message or something is misunderstood, the same things that the pastors are preaching, that us parents are saying, even if it's not received well from children, even spiritual children, believers, saints, it's still safe. Remember that, that the word of God is safe. It is for our benefit. We need it, even though it's the same thing. One thing that um, uh, I wanted to let you guys know or share with you guys, something the same thing the Lord has been telling me, and I keep telling him, I know already, like, stop. (laughs) I get it, I get it. You've told me before. You told me in the beginning. You told me in the middle. Now we're here. You're telling me the same stuff. And he keeps telling me, love each other. Believers, saints, Christians love each other. It's so embarrassing to him when we cannot call the person next to us anymore. When we are holding a grudge in our heart, when we have any type of unforgiveness, who cares? Life is short, love each other. Even through the mess, even through an argument, even through friction, remember to love each other. Don't worry about the the person. Apologize immediately. Humble, humble yourself. That's what God is saying. Humble yourselves and love each other. Just as I have loved you. Forgive each other as I have forgiven you. Let's not get to that place where we're like, no, I ain't saying sorry. I don't care, I ain't calling them. I don't care, it's toxic, so I'm cutting it out. No. No, we say that, we, say, we used to say that in the world. I don't know if anybody says that now, but we shouldn't be as Christians. You can't cut people off. Amen. They're part of the, 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 the vine, the tree. Where they're, they're a branch that's connected. You might not like everything they do or say or how they live, but God is in the business of changing, not us. Amen. So remember, forgive, love with all of your heart, because if the Lord decides uh, to take them, you, your heart will be Settled, and you will you can rejoice in their going, and not continue in your days feeling guilty. But we want to rejoice as people enter the gates of heaven, right? Not feel guilty. So remember, well, God is telling me that. Anyways, Paul in verse one makes no apologies for repeating himself to the church. Why? Because he constantly has remembering that he's got to repeat himself. Repetition is so important to learning (laughs) repetition me and the, the the worship team and I we constantly are in here practicing over and over again it's because repetition the more you do something the more you hear something the more you'll take it in the more you'll receive it and the better you'll get at it so repetition and learning is so important companies do this all the time watch this we're going to put up a couple slogans up and you guys shout out the company and tell me that you don't know what it is. So first one. McDonald's. McDonald's right? Yeah. Next one. Subway. Subway. <laughs> Next one.
1: Verizon.
0: (laughs) This one? We all got it. Yep, Apple. We all got iPhones, iPads, uh, iTunes. (laughs) Think different. What's this one? Nike. Do I have any others? I think that's it companies even know to do this they hire uh, advertisers and uh, marketing big big bucks they pay people and they would play their commercial all day long if they could they would play it back have you ever been sitting or watching a movie or watching a game and you're like did we just see this commercial like didn't it just come on yeah they know what they're doing they paid for it to be played over again so that it can come into your mind and you can think about it all day long and then when you have a decision to make you choose them so repetition is so important we get so frustrated when it's from the pulpit teenagers get so frustrated when it's from parents young adults get so frustrated when it's from me (laughs) when it's from aunts and uncles but it's safe for you it's tedious for us it's tedious for parents spouses It's tedious to say the same thing. I don't like what you did. I don't like how you act. It's so tedious, but it's safe for the relationship. It's part and it's designed for unity, repetition. The more it comes out, the more it is said, the more we hear it, the more we believe it. And when it's time to make a choice, when we have the opportunity to make a decision, what will we choose? If it's the repetition of the word of God, it will be a godly choice, a godly, wise decision. Warnings are wise. Warnings are wise. Because we are uh, Christians and we're covered by the blood of Jesus, a lot of times we think we don't need anything else because we're safe a lot of people are saying you don't need a mask because you're covered by the blood of Jesus you're not going to get covid nah i think a lot of christians are in the covid cases that have we don't you know what i mean mm-hmm. if you're a christian do you not wear your seatbelt mm-hmm. no i mean it's tedious i hate wearing a seatbelt but it's wise speed limits that you see at, in every single mile it's tedious it's like again it's wise the warning is wise take it as wisdom even though it's like tedious and frustrating it's constant didn't i just hear that you told me that last week oh <laughs> so my kids say this to me all the time i'm constantly saying screaming in the room from downstairs to upstairs from the bathroom from the garage, from the park, I'm constantly saying, how many times do I have to say the same thing? I forget (laughs) that I have to repeat myself over and over and over again. So don't let repetition aggravate you. It's supposed to. Pastors know it. We got to say the same things. Parents don't stop saying, no, you have got to come to church. Because the more you hear the word of God, the more your faith will grow. Romans ten seventeen. it says, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. So don't get tired of telling your spouse, come on, let's go, we gotta go to church. Don't stop telling your nieces and nephews, where have you been? You've got to get to church. It's not about filling seats, trust me. And it's not about anything else. It's about faith being stirred up in the believer. Faith being stirred up in men and women of God. And most of the time, we only have two days a week, 30 minutes in that two days. So it's so important that we don't take it lightly. And we don't take it lightly. It's it's for a reason, I'm telling you. Verse 2. So the first kind of category we're gonna run through is beware, beware. Verse two, beware of dogs, beware of evildoers, beware of the mutilation. Paul is talking about a group of people who as soon as Paul was done talking at the church, as soon as he was preaching, there was this group of people that would follow him everywhere he went, and they were believers. They followed him, and what did they do? As soon as he was done preaching, they would integrate into the congregation, they would mingle in, and they would say, wait a minute, you have to be circumcised to be a Christian. When Paul has preached, over and over again that Jesus, only through Jesus Christ are you saved. You don't have to do anything else anymore. Mm-hmm. Jesus died on the cross, He shed his blood. He came to fulfill the law. He came to fulfill so you don't have to do a thing anymore. His grace, His mercy, what He did for you, is what gets you to heaven, not what you could do for Him. These group of people were called the Judaizers. So they were Jews, they were believers, but they integrated Jesus and something else. Be careful who you trust. Be careful who you are trusting. Beware, Paul is so harsh. Like I don't know if I could have served under Pastor Paul because he's kind of he's tough, right? Yeah. We think our pastor's tough. <laughs> Pastor Paul is no joke. He calls them dogs. Now, they're not the dogs that we used to, that we have in our homes now that are house trained, that are little cute dogs, that are groomed. If you've ever been out of the country or to Mexico or, or to Egypt, I remember when Pastor Vaughn and I went to Egypt, <laughs> we were walking down the street and there's a, a group of dogs just laying there, right? As soon as we walk by, they get like agitated and irritated and they start barking. What did Pastor Vaughn do? Run. Ran. <laughs> he ran. He was nowhere to be found. He booked it and I was like, help. <laughs> We've seen that before. Um, but he's not talking about back in, in those days, in, in biblical days, in, in times of scripture, dogs were wild dogs they ran in packs and they barked and they bit. So that's why he's saying, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. He's talking about the body of Christ. These people think that they're doing something good. They know they're not because they're coming in right after Paul, right after Paul to talk to the group and the congregation and those people that are meeting. And they're trying to add a little bit more. Be careful. you trust beware be wise look out for those who are biting the flesh the body of Christ it is so important that we unite with each other and not bark and bite and no you don't need that and take that out no that's not really true be careful be careful of people who come around you like that yes amen what are they called what do we call them most of the time sheeps no sorry yeah 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 (laughs) wolves yeah see wolves in sheep's clothing they look like they're part they look like they're for christ but they're really attacking they're really trying to add to the gospel and what is paul so serious about if you know him already just by reading his teaching and his letters, his epistles, he is so serious about the gospel, so serious. He doesn't take anything lightly regarding the gospel, nothing at all. He's like, this is serious. So I'm not going to speak softly. I'm not going to say, be careful who your friends are. No, he's saying, look out for the dogs. They are evil doers, evil workers working actually against me, working actually against the gospel of Christ, the purity of it. No, you don't have to be circumcised. You just believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and salvation is granted to you. Romans 2, 28 to 29 says, A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit. Should be a capital S. By the spirit. That's the spirit of God. Not by your spirit, not by anybody else's spirit. That's the spirit of God. So they came after Paul, and they kept telling him, you got to be circumcised to, to, to receive salvation. And Paul, over and over again, he says, no, you don't. You have to be circumcised of the heart. You have to die to your old self, not, not flesh, not mutilating your actual, your actual flesh on your body. Because even God says, I don't look at outward appearance. That stuff doesn't fade me. Performance doesn't intrigue me. He says, I'm looking for circumcision of the heart. What are you cutting away? Are you cutting away bitterness for somebody else and choosing to love? Are we cutting away the things that we're doing and actually being? So remember that, like he's so serious, so serious about the gospel. He doesn't take it lightly at all. Be careful, beware, beware. Verse 4, it says, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church. I once did. I wrote that in. Concerning the righteousness, which is in the law, Paul says, I consider myself blameless. We can have no confidence in flesh. Not in the evil workers, not in the evildoers, not in, in uh, don't put all of your trust into people. People are on roller coasters, up and down, up and down, up and down. I'm mad, I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm happy, I'm mad, I'm angry. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like we're all of us, I I included, I'm crazy. I have like multiple personalities. (laughs) I totally do. Women have multiple personalities. You've got to catch us on a good day, on a good time. Everything's gotta be like, you know, watch out. No, just kidding. (laughs) But Paul is saying, don't put confidence in the flesh. Don't put confidence in people and listen, don't put confidence in yourself don't even trust yourself I remember when Pastor Vaughn first got saved I will never forget this he always talks about it but he always told his pastor hey listen I've screwed up a lot of things a lot of people I have so much damage that I did I didn't even know that I was doing he said whatever I want to do I do the opposite he told his pastor so his pastor would come and tell him you know hey do you want to go here hey do you want to do this you know you know whatever he says in his mind he always does the opposite whatever he wants to do he does always the opposite he did this as a young believer and still now i heard steve your uh men's bible study was amazing because you're you are chose to be a yes man to live a life of yes Not even confidence in your own self. You're not even, you know what, God, I can't do it. But whatever you're asking me, I'll try. I'll say yes. That's how we've got to be. Don't even put confidence in yourself. Because yourself is crazy. You know it. I know it. (laughs) We all know it. That we are crazy, that we're emotional, that we're constantly on this roller coaster. Paul is claiming He's saying, verse five, circumcised on the eighth day. I came from a godly family. On the eighth day, I was circumcised. As Orthodox Christians, right away, I think it's less than um, 40 days you've got to get baptized as an infant. You have to. Somebody, you've got to get in your baby in the church and get it baptized. And that's coming from the law, it's coming from tradition. And that's what he's saying, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin was one of the best tribes. like Of all the tribes uh, described in scripture, the tribe of Benjamin was the tribe. It was the biggest, it was the strongest, it was the best. He's saying, I was from them. A Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law. He was a trained Pharisee trained. Look at this, Acts 22.3. He says, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Sicilia, brought up in this city. I studied and was educated under Gamil, and was thoroughly trained in the law of ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as you are today. He was a true Pharisee. He was trained. He was educated by one of the best. And then he says, in verse 6, which is my favorite part, (laughs) concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. You're talking about zeal? You think you have zeal for the house of the Lord? You think you have zeal? Well, when I was a persecutor, When I wasn't a Christian, when I was destroying and wiping them out, I killed Christians. Like it's kind of similar to what we say, man, if you would've saw me on the (laughs) streets, right? If you would've saw me on the streets, I was the most ruthless. I was the most evil. I was hanging out with the worst of the worst. That's zeal. He had zeal for whatever he was doing at the moment. So he's saying, you can't talk to me about zeal because even I had that. At that time, a burning zeal for God was the sign. It was the symbol of Jewish religion. Paul had been so zealous that he actually wiped out the opponents. He was persecuting and murdering Christians. He was never ashamed to confess his shame and to tell men that he hated Christ. He was never ashamed. He said, yeah, I hated Christ. And everybody who who liked him destroyed, took him out. and didn't even feel bad about it. It was a job for me. Don't talk to me about zealous. Right? He was not ashamed to explain his annihilation of the church. We have no room to talk. We cannot boast. So hard for us to get here on a Sunday morning. So hard for us to, to stay um, engaged in a, in a Bible study so hard of us continue to gather as young adults and teenagers Paul is saying I was not like that Paul discovered that a re- right relationship with God is based not on law but on faith in Jesus Christ It is not achieved by any man but given by God It's not achieved You can't do anything about it. You cannot do things for a right relationship with God. It is given to you. It is given to you by God. Verse seven, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for excellence of knowledge, of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I might gain Christ and be found in him. This next category is be found, not be noticed. Be found in him, not be noticed, not be recognized. Amen. And verse 9 and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I attain to the resurrection from the dead. He's talking like accounting terms. If you've taken an accounting class, or if you've taken some type of economics class, he's adding all this stuff into the gains column, right? He's saying, I was a trained Pharisee. Oh, I had zeal. Oh, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Oh, I came from the tribe of Benjamin. These are all counted as on the gains column, the assets column. And real quick, he says, but my faith in Christ just to be known by him and just to know him, just to know him. All these things I add to the loss column, everything. You got married while serving Christ? Yeah, that was good, but count it as loss. You got a little joy and it feels good and a little bit of blessings in your financial account while serving the Lord? Yeah, that's real great, but put it in the loss account. Count it as loss compared to the relationship we have with Christ. You gain some friends, count it as loss. Put it in the loss column, everything. You got a little stability, you got a little bit of security. You're peaceful now, you're not as angry. Count it as loss just because you know him. That should supersede everything. He's saying you cannot achieve your way into anything. Everything you count right here as a gain, as an asset, you own your own home, you're a great parent, your kids are acing in school and you're proud of them, they're great in sports, they're talented, you got your own business, spectacular, but you better count it as lost compared to your relationship with Christ. Everything should be counted as loss. Paul knew this so well and it was so important. This is what mattered. Everything needs to be counted as loss, everything. He says it's trash, it's rubbish, it's garbage, garbage. The most important thing is Jesus Christ, having a right relationship with him. And you can't do anything for that. You know who makes you right? Is Jesus Christ. He's the one who made a way for you and I You know what's so beautiful is that when God looks at us and you believe in Jesus Christ, he no longer looks at you. He sees his son, Jesus. And even his son, Jesus, is standing and saying, yep, I'll take it. Don't look at that. (laughs) Don't look at that person behind me, God. I want you to look at me, Father. Father, I'll take their place. Father, I will defend them. Father, I'll stand with them. Father, I'll be with them. Father, I'll continue to try with them. Don't give up. Don't look at that. That's a mess. But what, he, what Jesus is telling us, what Jesus does for us, is he makes it right. He makes all of our crooked ways right. And that should be more than anything. That should be what we are what we are striving for. Our highest priority in life is not to own land, is not to have a business. Our highest priority is not to make sure that our kids um, don't do drugs, don't, uh, don't cuss, don't sleep around. Our highest priority in life is to know Jesus Christ. Amen. And we've kind of softened that word know for us, it just means information. We say, hey, do you know about the, this new thing at Starbucks? And in the English translation to know is, is real softened. It's just information. But if you look in scriptures, if you really, really study, know the knowledge of Jesus Christ, just the word knowledge, it's way more than that. It's way more than information. It's way more than learning. It's way more than um, perceiving how you take things. It's way more than all of that. In Genesis chapter four, verse one, it says, Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived. To know is to enter in, is to go in. It's more than information. We've dumbed it down. We have threw a lot of dirt on the word knowledge. It's more than that. It's actually to be in Christ to be in Christ. Josiah is said to have known God in Jeremiah 29, verses 15 to 16. And it's not about to know about him as like a, in an abstract manner or a fashion or some mystical connection, but rather it's dutiful obedience. It's obedience out of duty, but, but it's a response to know Christ. Figure out who he is, what he likes. What is your favorite color? What is your favorite song? As worship leaders, when, we, when each and every one of us actually lead for a particular month. And if you're leading that month, you're choosing songs for the congregation. You're choosing songs for a Sunday morning. And we don't say, oh, this sounds really cool. I think I can get this one down, so we'll do this one. I've actually encouraged every single one of the team members to ask the Lord what, what song do you want to hear out of us? Amen. Not out of the team, because what's, what do you want to hear? How can we know you a little bit more? What's your favorite song, Jesus? Amen. How can I serenade you? How can I love on you with this song and thank you with this song and worship you, give thanks? Do we know Christ that way, or is it just... Are we reading scripture? We get caught up in a lot of doing and we won't be. If you get caught up in a lot of doing, I need to do this, I need to do that. I need to be here, I need to be there. Right standing with God, the righteousness of God, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, to know him. It's not achieved, but it's a given we got to ask for it, and it will be given to us. It's not intellectual knowledge. It's not certain facts. It's not even principles. It's the personal experience of another person. Amen. So when we say, like, in a, in a relationship, in friendships, or in, you know, what, what do most people say when they're asking you about your relationship with Christ, you know? Hey, how's your relationship with Christ? How's your relationship with God doing? We say, ah, oh, you know, it's, it's been growing great. I read my Bible. I pray. I go to church. I serve faithfully. Or the other way around, right? Oh, man, it's not so good. I haven't read in a long time. <laughs> I haven't been to church in a while. I haven't really done what's been asked of me. We talk like that, right? When people are asking us about our relationship with Christ. It's about what we're doing and what we're not doing. But now think of it when we talk about each other. So when somebody says, um, hey Mary, how's your relationship with your husband? I don't say, oh, he cut the grass, took the kids to school. Um, He took out the trash for me. Actually, he took my car for a car wash. So yeah, things are great. No? We talk about the actual person. When somebody is asking me about my husband or the kids, I don't say this is what he did, so then I love him. No, I say, oh, he's great, he's, he's full of passion, he's very disciplined, which is something I'm not, his, my uh, weaknesses are actually his strength, and it's so good, it, it, it actually meshes us together, it balances us out. I don't tell you what he's done or what he hasn't done, When you ask me about my relationship with my husband or my relationship with my parents, oh, they did this, they did, no. I say, oh, my mom, I can't wait for you to meet my mom. She is one of a kind. She is special. She's very sweet. She's very gentle. She hardly gets mad. Hardly. I don't say she cooks all day, she cleans all day, And even if you're not hungry, she'll cook some more. (laughs) That's how Egyptian parents are. Egyptian ladies, I should say. Um, We don't say that. But why does it, when we talk about our relationship with Christ, it's always about what we do or what we don't do? We should be talking about him. The same way you would talk about, about your spouse or about your children. Right? We should be saying, oh my God, he's so... My relationship with Christ, man, he's so kind. Man, when I was in the dirt, when I was in the ugliest and the darkest of days, it was strange, but I knew he was there with me. He's so handsome. He's so handsome. I mean, just one look in his eyes. If he shows up in my dreams and I see his eyes, I'm mesmerized for years. When we talk about our relationship with Christ like that, it's always about what we do or what we don't do. We got it twisted. Paul is telling us, Pastor Paul is telling us, you can't achieve a right relationship with God. Take religion out. Count it as rubbish. Tradition, everything you've ever known. Culture. Count it as rubbish. Rubbish count it as a loss and know Christ know him so intimately when you hear something you say oh god oh my honey I heard you you're the love of my life I'll do anything to keep you around anything we don't talk like that and finally he talks about the resurrection that I might in verse 10 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead for Paul the resurrection was not something that happened in history it wasn't a past event however amazing it was it was not something simply that just happened to Jesus It was real the power of the resurrection like he saw it he heard about it he saw it he witnessed it have any of you witnessed a resurrection in your life anyone just raise your hand have you seen something dead and God has resurrected it raise your hand keep your hands up even if it's you. That should be operated in every life of every Christian, the power of the resurrection. Our storms, our uh, conflicts, our arguments, it clouds us, it drains us. It drains, it sucks the power of the resurrection that's inside of us. It really does. And we cannot allow that anymore. We are Christians. have the power of the resurrection inside of us. Be a problem solver, not part of the problem. Teach each other, say, hey, don't worry about it. We're going to solve this problem. We're going to be part of the solution because we have the resurrection of Jesus Christ inside of us. We have the power. We have the power to change things. We have the power to transform things because of jesus christ alone if you have received him in your spirit if you have received his salvation accepted him continue to know him remaining in him john 15 5 says apart from me you can do nothing that's what jesus says apart from me you can do nothing you can't stay sober you can't stay together you can't stay sane Right? Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But some of us have them and we still do nothing. We have the power in us. We have it. We have it. Also, when he's talking about the fellowship of his sufferings, suffering is not a penalty. Suffering is not a punishment. It's a privilege. When's the last time we looked at sufferings like that? It's a privilege. Because now you are part of the work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ suffered. Jesus Christ was betrayed. Jesus Christ was angry. But we take sufferings and everything that's going wrong or every little, uh, every little thing as a penalty, as a punishment. We walk around, we say, God, what did I do? I'm sorry, what did I do? I- What did I do that you know that you're not listening to me, that you haven't answered my prayer? It's not a penalty. It's not a punishment. Count it as privilege. And we are part of the work of Jesus Christ that is happening. So beware of all the things. Take wise counsel, warnings wisely, and then be found in him. Not noticed. Don't try to be noticed. Be found in him. That nothing I can do, nothing I can say, will keep me in right standing with Jesus Christ. Nothing. Nothing at all. Count all your education as loss. All human effort as loss. Are they good things? Yes. They are good things, and we should constantly be striving to challenge our minds and to be educated and to be taught. But when you put it in the light of Jesus Christ, count it as loss, count it as loss. Let's bow our heads. Actually, you can put your notes away later, but I am gonna ask everybody to stand. Pastor Vaughn is constantly trying to teach us how to suffer well. Don't be afraid of suffering. Be careful that you're not trying to achieve something. God looks way past performances and straight into the heart. Is your heart being purified? Is your lives being refined? Things cut off that are not adding to you or to Christ and you're gonna hear the same things over and over again it's tedious it's irritating but it's necessary we could bow our heads close our eyes I think I know where everybody's relationship with the Lord um, in here is, where it's standing. But if you're not sure, but if you're not sure, if you're not like just reassured, if you're not confident of where you might go, if something were to happen to you when you leave this place, it's always the right time to say i believe in you jesus save me and receive salvation receive it you can't do nothing for it but receive it it's a gift given by god just raise your hand if you are if you're not confident if you need reassurance i see you yes God, we pray that you crown her with confidence. Crown her with confidence. You're so good, God. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And you are not even slow, God. You are actually just being patient till every single one of your sons and daughters gets to know you. Your whole design, your whole divine design is that not one would perish. So we feel like we're waiting so long for something, for you to come rescue us, but you're just being so patient for other people. May we do the same. Father God, just crown her with confidence and remind her that she doesn't have to do a thing. You do all the work. And you speak to her and you encourage her and you remind her the things that she does need to change and actually partner with you in the work that you are doing. I'm gonna open the altars to something else. And if you're ready, if you're willing, we have people who can pray for you. I will come down and pray for you myself. But if you wanna know him more, come, if there are things that you have Gained and attained in life and achieved and you consider it worthy to boast about right now is the time to lay it down and count it as loss compared to your right relationship with Jesus Christ if you need to remember that the power of the resurrection is in you The solution is in you. You carry the cure. You carry the hope that you yourself need, that others need. You carry that in you. Seeds actually carry the tree in them. It just hasn't died yet. It Hasn't split open yet. So, the altars are open for that. And if you have a hard time suffering, if you think it's punishment for anything you've done, even after being forgiven, suffering is a privilege. If anything isn't going right in your life, suffering is a privilege. You look like Christ. You partake in the work of Christ. God, we thank you for every single thing that you are doing. We thank you, Lord. We count everything that we are doing as loss. Remind us it is what you've done for us, not what we can do for ourselves or even for other people. It's you. It's you. Mind us to have no confidence, no boasting in our flesh, but just boasting in the cross and the glory of your son, Jesus Christ, that you sent to die for us. Lord, strengthen us. Stir up our faith. Stir up our zeal. Man, we were crazy in the world. We did some crazy things. And we get into your house and the zeal is taken the joy is robbed oh restore it back into us if you need prayer for anything the altars are open to you i will put my mask on and we have a couple people who will pray with you as well don't take it lightly